So I got my home Bible here to do my English service. Forgot my English Bible, but we'll do what we can. You know, there was this man, there was this man, a businessman who owned a store, the clothing store. And then right next to his clothing store was a grocery store with all kinds of fruits and food and things of that sort. And so one day, one day a young child was walking by, and this was an orphan boy, about nine, ten years of age. He was very, very hungry. Haven't had anything to eat. He wanted some food. He had no money. And so he decided to go into that store, into that grocery store, and he took an apple from that grocery store. And being that he had no money, he couldn't pay for it. So he walked out of that grocery store. And right when he walked out of that grocery store, they caught him. You know, in the, in the old country, they can beat up the, you know, if, if, if you're a criminal, if you do something like that, they can tie you up and beat you. So they tied him up and they beat him. And they were going to, going to call the police. They were going to call the authorities to come and take him away. Fortunately, the man right next door who owned, who owned that, that clothing store, he saw that little boy. He saw what they were doing to that little boy. And so he came out of his store and he went up to the owner of the grocery store and he said, why don't you let me pay for it? So he offered to pay for that apple and he begged them not to call the police on that little boy. Fortunately, the, fortunately, the owner of the grocery store was okay with that. And so he was willing to take the money from the owner of the clothing store. And so he took that money and they let the boy go. 30 years later, 30 years later, that man who owned that clothing store became very ill. He had cancer. He became very, very, very ill. And every, you know, every doctor that he went to, they, they were not willing to help him because in order for them to help him, they wanted money first. He did not have the money, the funds to be able to pay for the, the care that he needed. So he decided, now why don't I just make an announcement in the paper and just you know, make an announcement and see if anybody else would be willing to help. And so he put an announcement in the paper, and fortunately this orphan boy, and after 30 years this orphan boy, saw this announcement. And this orphan boy called up this man, this businessman, and he told this businessman, come and meet me. I will offer care for you for free. What happened was that this orphan boy has become, has become a doctor. And so he called this businessman and had the businessman come and meet him. And the businessman did not know who this doctor was. But he was, you know, he was, he was glad. I mean, he, he was glad that this doctor was willing to help him for free. But as he went to see the doctor, he asked the doctor's son, Why? Why are you offering me this for free? And at that time, that doctor, who was the orphan boy, he told the story to him, that I am the boy, I am that young orphan boy, 30 years ago, that you paid for my apple. My father always taught me that you always need to live your life. You always need to live your life in a way that you always need other people. It doesn't matter who that person is. They can be the richest person in your community. They can be your smartest friend. Or they can be the most poor 
person that you know, the poorest person that you know. They may be the least educated person that you know. It doesn't matter who that person is. That you must always live your life knowing that one day you might need that person. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Our lectionary here in the United Methodist Church leads us to this topic here today. I know being needy is something that we, we don't, oftentimes we don't, you know, we don't have this positive look to. You know, we don't want to be needy, right? We don't want to be needy. We want to be independent. We want to be able to just do things ourselves without needing anybody else. But reality of life is that we always, always need each other. As a pastor, I can't pastor this church without you. Without you. I, all, I need you. You need me. We need each other. God has his plan. If God put you here in this church, there's a reason for that. Because God knows that you are needed here in this church. If you were not needed here in this church, God would not put you here. And sometimes we see other people in the church and we say, you know, why is that person part of this church? I don't, we don't need that person, but that's, that's not true. That's not true. God knows. God knows what we need. And so God puts us together because we, he knows that we need each other. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 to verse 3, the scriptures tells us that do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. What a wonderful message it is. What a wonderful thing. We must not forget to show hospitality, even to those people that we don't know, even to those people that are different from us, even those people that are not, nothing like us, that we're still to welcome them. We're still to welcome them. As the church, as Christians, we're supposed to welcome them. And it continues on. It says, continue to remember those in prison. A lot of times we kind of forsake those people in prison because, you know, they're, they're, they're bad people. They've committed crimes and things like that. But the scripture tells us that even those people who are in prison, those people who have lost all their rights, you know, they now belong to the state. They're controlled by the state. And, and, you know, society, even society looks down upon them. They're the worst of the worst. That's what society see, you know, see them. But even those who are in prison, that we are to remember them. We are to remember them as if we ourselves are in prison. You see, it says, remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. Then it goes on and says, and those who are mistreated, okay? Remember those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. What a wonderful message the Word of God teaches us. And sometimes when we're not in that position of suffering, we see other people suffering, we, a lot of times we just kind of neglect them and say, you know what, well, it's not me, so, you know, it's no big deal. But what the Word of God is teaching us here is that, you know, we have to remember them, we have to help them, we need to welcome them as though we are going through the same issue. And it goes back to that idea that my father taught me, is that we never know who we're going to need in the future, that we must always live our life knowing that one day we're going to need somebody. And one day, the person, the very person that you might need, the one person that you might need might be that, per, well, that one person that you think cannot offer you anything at all. Okay? And goes back to that story again, that story at the beginning, when, when we're thinking about that orphan boy. 
You know, there was no reason, there's no reason at all for that businessman to help him, the owner of that store to help him. He didn't have to do that. But what he did, what he did turned into a blessing for him because 30 years down the road, that orphan boy who had no money, who had nothing, became a doctor and was able to save his life. Was able to save his life. We have, we have um, a gentleman here, of Vahur, most of us know him, the older man from the Hmong uh, congregation who walks around with the, with the um, stroller. I went to pray for him. He told me a similar story about his own life. Back in the old country, when he was a 16, 17-year-old boy, there's, you know, in the, back in Laos, there's you know, a community of people who are suffering for leprosy. And those people are outcasts in the community. They're sent out into the, into the mountains. You know, they're, they're outcasts into the caves. They, they don't come into the community because they're, they're sent away. They're exiled away. And yet he talked about how, he, how, how when he was a 16, 17-year-old boy, and he, he told me, Pastor, I want you to share this story with, with my, my church. I want you to share this story with everybody at church. And while nobody was willing to go out there to help those outcasts, while, while nobody was willing to go out there to help those people who were suffering for leprosy. Being a naive boy who didn't know anything, he said, he decided to go out there with the, with, the, um, with the pilots. And so he went out there and he helped those. And he helped them. 30 years later, 30, 40 years later, in Fresno, that one person that he helped came up to him. And she got down on her knees and cried and wept. And she said, today I'm alive because of you. You helped me on that day. You're willing to help me. So the things that we do, we may never think about it, but the little deeds that we do in our lives to help somebody else, man, these little deeds can turn into such a great, tremendous, tremendous blessing for us down the road. Today, we, we might not see that. We may not see that. But this is God's plan for us. As we go into this 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see the God is teaching us the very same thing inside the church, how much we need each other inside the church. We've talked about the church at, at Corinth before. This church is the church that nobody wants to be like, okay? If you, wanna, if you want to be a church, you don't want to be like the church at Corinth. They had all the issues, they had all the issues that you th- can think about. You know, they're divided. They hated each other, you know? They mocked each other. You know, I, I have this gift, I'm better than you, you know, things of that sort. And so this church was a very, very troubled church. So, you know, I, I want us to understand that we're not, you know, this, th- we're not living the first generation where the church has issues, right? The church has always had these kind of issues. And this church here in the first century was having all kinds of issues, being divided and all things like that. They, they're fighting over spiritual gifts. Who had more authority? Who had more spiritual gifts? Who's, whose spiritual gift was, way, was much better? They're fighting over these things. And yet the Apostle Paul is telling them here in this letter that you are one. You may have many different gifts. There may be many different parts within this body, but you are one. You are one body. But I want us to, but I want us to understand exactly what this is saying too because it says that you are one body with Christ. It's not that you are one body with the United Methodist Church. You are one body with this organization, or you're, with, or you're one body with that organization, but it's saying that we are one body with Christ, meaning that we must be with Christ. In order for this unity to take place, it's something that we must be with Christ. We must connect ourselves to Jesus Christ. We must be walking with Jesus Christ. 
We need to understand the unity in the church. It's not something that we create. Many times we go into the church and we think that we can create all kinds of you know, programs to try to create unity, but the Bible is teaching us that unity is something that God has already given to us. It's a, it's a gift from God. God has already done his part. A pastor said this, he says, Unity in the body isn't something we work towards. Rather, it is something that we need to become aware of. That explains what unity is all about. That when God brings us together, he had a purpose. When God brings us together, he has a reason for that. And he knows that we need each other. And that's the reason why we're all here together as one church. That's the reason why we're here. Sometimes we might not get along. Sometimes we might not agree with each other. But disagreement is actually good. Disagreement is actually good. It helps us grow. If everybody agrees on everything, we're never going to grow. But when we disagree, that's a good thing. And we need to think about it in that, in that sense. That when we disagree, we actually are able to see things from a different perspective. We're actually able to learn from a different perspective. And so I know many churches, oftentimes when they disagree, they break up. I've been through many church breakups in the CMA because we tend to, you know, we tend to, um, I don't know, this tend, something that tends to happen with us. But, and usually most of the time it's over, you know, disagreements. Because we see disagreements as something that's so negative that every time there's a disagreement, we're, think, we're thinking that, you know, now we are supposed to go against each other. Or now we're supposed to, you know, um, fight against each other and things like that. And, and we make, you know, we make issues of even the smallest issues, you know. Even the smallest things that we don't need to make issues of sometimes, many times. We as Christians, many times we do that. But yet it is through this, these disagreements that we are able to grow. And so when we disagree, that's okay. That's okay. We have to understand that. Our church is made of many diverse people, here, in, here even in, here in our church. Many of you might have different views on certain things. Some of you might have different views on spiritual gifts. Some of you might have you know, different views on, on salvation, subject of salvation. You know, some of you might have different political views here in this church. It doesn't matter. We still need to love each other. We may disagree on these things. It doesn't matter. We still need to love each other because God has put us here together so that we can interact with each other and we can start seeing things from different perspectives, not only from our own perspective, but from a different perspective. Should, I know there's a diversity of the way that we, we want to do worship. I know there's many different ideas, which is good which is good. And we can't, we can't do everything, it's, which is it's impossible for us to do everything. But there's one thing that we can do, and that is to respect each other. To respect each other, even when we disagree. Or even when we disagree. To respect and to love one another. As we see, as we see the 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we see when it ends, it says, I'm going to show you, Paul says, I'm going to show you the greater way, right? Now what, is, what does he talk about in chapter 13? He talks about love. See, the greater way, the greater way beyond all these gifts, beyond all these distractions, beyond all these things that you disagree on, the greatest way for you is to love each other. That's why Paul starts to talk about what love is. And so that chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, known as the, the, the love chapter, is really talking to a church, how the church can get along, how the church can build 
each other up. It's to love each other. It's to love each other and to know what love is. There's two groups here. here there's two groups here in, in chapter 12 here that Paul is talking about. And the first group is the group that is excluding themselves from the church. From verse 15 to verse 21, we see there's a group in this church that they're excluding themselves. They're saying, you know, I'm the foot or I'm the hand or I'm the eye or whatever, I, whatever they are. You know, I'm this and this and I'm that, but, and so I don't belong to the church. So there's this group that excludes themselves from the church. And Paul is saying, That's, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't exclude yourself from the church. I know back in the early, you know, about 2011, 2012, in the, in the Marysville Church, the Marysville Methodist Church, um, we had a, probably about five or six families. This was before my time in the Methodist Church. We had about five or six families that came join the Methodist Church from the CMA. And, you know, at that time, it, it was very hard for us to, it was very hard for them to make that adjustment. That's part of the reason why they wanted me to come and help them, you know, kind of kind of build them up. It was very hard for them to make that adjustment because, they're, because you know, there's those people that's been there for a long time who, who's been Methodist for a long time, and here, here comes about five or six families from the CMA, and to them it's like, man, those people are CMA. They're, they're not really Methodist, right? <laughs> they're not Methodist, and so we don't really like it. And then the CMA, they come in, and they're like, you know what? I, we want to be a part of this church, but these, these are Methodists, you know? <laughs> These are Methodists, and so they're different. They, do, they worship a little bit different than we do. And so there's, there's that little tension there that, that Pastor Chakoy had to kind of work through at that time. And then, you know, uh, um, he, that's why they, they, they kind of brought me into the church to try to, try to help with that issue that, that, that they were having. And one of the things that you really have to emphasize on is that you know, it doesn't matter if you're from the CMA, you're from the um, Methodist, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all one family. And we need each other. And God has a plan for us. That's the reason why God has brought us together. And so in the Hmong ministry, over the last, since about 2011, 2012, we've had, you know, three, four pastors from the CMA that has joined us here in the Methodist Church. And I'm one of them from, I, I came in 2014. And so three of our, three of our pastors for the Hmong ministries here in our conference are all from the CMA. The one in Sacramento, the one in Fresno. And so God has a plan for us. You see, God has a plan for us. So, you know, maybe God, maybe sometimes God might need to bring someone from the outside to come and help us, revive us, or something like that. But God has a plan. And we have to trust in God's plan. We have to remember that, you know, this is a blessing from God. Unity is something, it's a blessing from God. It's something we need to, to take a hold of. It's something that we need to become aware of, that this is God's plan. This, this is God's will for our lives. And we need each other. And then the second group, the second group, it's a group that often look down on, they often look down on each other, they, they often exclude other people from them, right? So the first group is a, the group that likes to exclude themselves from the church, and the second group that Paul is talking about in verse 21 is a group that, you know what, they're, they're just excluding other people in the church. They're excluding other people in the church. And you know what, I, I'm the hand, I'm the, I'm the foot, so I don't need you, I'm the eye, so I don't need you, things of that sort. And Paul is saying that both groups are, are wrong. That this is not how the church is to operate. That we're not to exclude ourselves from the church, but we're to be a part of the church. Many times when we try to exclude ourselves from the church, we're always like, you know, that's them, you know, it's not me, that's them, that's, that's their problem. Right? But it's, we all need to come together. That's what Paul goes on and says that, you know what, if one part is hurting, we're all hurting together. If one part is rejoicing, we're all rejoicing together. That's, that's the whole point, is that we're all one. We're not to, 
We're not to exclude ourselves from the church. We're not to exclude other people from the church. And so in Christianity, there's no room for racism. There's no room for class warfare. You know, we see here it says that whether Jews or, or Gentiles, whether slave or free, it doesn't matter. You're one, you're one, you're one, you're one. So we, I don't want us to think that, you know, we, the Mongs and the Mongs, the, the Anglos and the Anglos, you know, that's, that's not the message of the gospel. So we are one. We're one. And we'll always be one. And so it doesn't matter if you're rich, you're poor, it doesn't matter. We, there's no room for class warfare. We're all one group of people. In James chapter 1, we see James talking about this. Um, he talks about how the gospel is for the rich, and it's also for the poor. For the poor, that they can glorify in the fact that they are now in high positions because of Christ. And for the rich, when they come to Christ, now they can glorify in the fact that now they have to humble themselves because they need Christ. That their wealth, their wealth is going to one day, you know, disappear, and that they can find joy in Christ. And so James talks about this. The scriptures talks about this. There's no room for this. There's no room for racism. We can't you know, be racist against each other. We can't you know, start class warfare within the church against each other. We, we can't belittle each other. There's no room for us to belittle each other. There's no room for us to mock each other. There's no room for us to hate each other. There's no room for us to try to control each other. But rather, the whole point of the message of the gospel is for us to empower each other for the ministry, to empower each other for the kingdom of God. How can I, as the pastor, help you do your job? How can you help me do my job? That's what we ask. Now, I don't come, you know, the pastor can't come here and say, you know, I'm the pastor, so all of you guys, you know, you have no say, and I'm going to do everything my way, and, and, or, you know, or the highway, right? <laughs> There's none of that in the church. I'm going to control everything. Now I'm the pastor, I'm going to control everything, and you have no say. If I was to do that, I, I'm... I'm I'm not paying attention to the will of God. I know some denominations, they actually believe in that, that it's all up to the pastor. I don't believe in that. I don't see any proof of that in the, in the scriptures. And so some denominations, they wait for the pastor to do everything, and they really have no say. They just go along. But in the scriptures, we are one group. We're one. We're one. And we all work together. We all work together. So it doesn't matter if you're, you're, you're doing the choir. It doesn't matter if you're doing a men's group, a women's group. It doesn't matter if you're doing a prayer's group. It doesn't matter if you're in finance. It doesn't matter if you're in trust, board of trustees. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're all to work together and empower each other. How can we, as the, as the, um, as the finance committee, how can we empower this other committee in the church? How can we empower them to do the ministry? Things of that sort. That's what we think about. We don't think about trying to control each other and trying to not allow each other to do their job. Because God has a reason. God has a purpose. And we need to obey that. We need to recognize that purpose in the church. And we need to do everything that we can. And I don't care if you don't like each other. I don't really care. It happens in the church. It happens all the time. Even family members don't like each other. Right? I've told you guys this many times. My youngest sister doesn't like me, <laughs> okay? It's fine. But we're still family. We're still family. And in the church, it's the same way. It's the same way. Even if you don't like each other, you are to work with each other. You are to empower each other. Because we accept the will of God. Because we accept that that's God's plan for us. Okay? So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much, Father. We thank you so much for bringing us here together. 
You know, Father, as your children, we oftentimes don't trust in the plan that you have given to us. Yeah, Father, we ask for forgiveness from you. And we ask that you open up our hearts towards each other. Help us be able to help each other. Help us be able to accept each other. And even during times of disagreements, Father, we ask that you continue to allow us and open up our hearts to have grace towards each other, that we may continue to love one another and build each other up for the sake of your kingdom. And so, Father, we give you all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.